podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome into the Veridian. I'm Matt Workman. I'm joined as always by Joe Goodman. Joe, how are you doing this afternoon? Man, I am nasally and sick, so I'm going to do my best to hit the mute button anytime I have to cough or blow my nose. But yeah, so I'll let you into my world a little bit of, you know, having a two-year-old who brings home sicknesses all the time from, from daycare. And uh, I'm, I'm also solo parenting all week. As my uh, my lovely and wonderful wife is out of town this entire week doing something for her school. And yeah, it's been hectic. I was we didn't record over the weekend because I was out in Atlanta hanging out with some friends. And, you know, before that, we had just crazy amounts of work. I've got crazy amounts of work this week, too. But I did find a little lunch break that we could record in today. That's right. This is a. Midday, bared in. A hot bared in. It is hot. It is hot. It is hot. I was thinking about that before we uh, started recording. Is like, as most of you know, I moved from Louisiana to Texas, and after still moving from Texas to Louisiana, and I would still take the heat over the humidity in South Louisiana any day. Oh, come on down to Houston, buddy. It keeps yeah. you young. the The wet air keeps your skin young. I just my thing. I wear glasses, so my thing is like I'd like going from my car to nerd and not having to fog up my glasses. That's that's fun. I so. I have perfect vision, so well, never worn glasses or contacts a day in my life. I've had glass corrective lenses since I was thirteen years old, so. Yeah, that's what we're dealing with. Never for me. My so wife Joe, has my wife had LASIK, so you know that's oh. why she doesn't wear them anymore. So Joe, did you catch any of the uh, College World Series? Absolutely not. I is saw it? LSU won, but I don't watch college baseball. See, I watch it the college the black like, the postseason. Then it becomes to me interesting. It doesn't for me. I just, I don't know. College baseball has just never done it for me. I mean, I I can't really explain it. I think it's just because, like, when you're talking the NBA to college basketball, there's a huge difference in quality of play. I'm not one of those people that's going to argue, like, college basketball is better than the NBA. I personally enjoy college basketball more because I just like the game more. Um, But I'm fully aware the NBA is miles, like, more talented and better at basketball than college basketball will ever be. But it's kind of like that's the level just below, right? Like you got NBA, college basketball. There's some G League stuff and some international leagues and everything. But for the most part, like the NCAA is kind of like this is the minor, quote, quote unquote, minor league of the NBA. It's the same thing in, in football, right? Like the NFL, the next tier down is college football. With baseball, it's like you've got four tiers of professional baseball that are better products than college baseball is and so 
I'm not into college baseball. I, I am when Baylor is good. I am a fair weather Baylor baseball fan, and I'm unabashed and unashamed about that. Um, I also don't watch the Little League World Series. I have friends that watch that every year, and I'm like, no, I have no interest in watching 12-year-olds play. I just don't. It's not good. Um, oh, so I'm, that's I'm just, the same way. That's just I don't watch Little League World Series. I just I have no interest in that. It, Like you said, I don't really – I barely cared when my kids played – organized t-ball or whatever i definitely don't care about strangers 12 year olds yeah like it's just it it does nothing for me it's not entertaining it's for me. not good it's not like it's good baseball to watch the little league world series you know what for college baseball i think one of the major things is for me is college baseball stadiums kind of suck and the camera angles really suck and they're, they, it just looks weird to me. It looks different than when I watch the major league. Yeah, in home, Omaha, it gets better though when you're at that one, um, when they're playing that one location. That's fair, but yeah, I don't know. There's just something about college baseball that just and it's I, never. I'm a fair weather fan too. Like it's it just it helped that one of my like secondary schools. Yeah, you're like, you're like a your B team is LSU. So. Yeah, so LSU's in it. And then you know they played well and, and won the championship, which who do you think was more mad? Florida or Kim Mulkey? I mean, probably Kim Mulkey, because now somebody but her is going to get attention. Because you and, know how ate up LSU fans are with baseball. Like, they love baseball, college baseball. Yeah, and yeah, we, we saw this. We've seen this before, right? It's Where, such a much bigger deal to them to win this than for the women's to win, women to win the basketball championship. Yeah, and we already we, we saw this right before she left. When the men won the national championship, one of the reasons she got mad was because of how much attention that they got. Wait, and I will point out, I did not disagree with her on that. I, I really, truly did not. I understand where she's coming from. Hey, I've won multiple of these, and like... I know you guys have celebrated me and everything before, but not to the level that you're doing yeah. for the men for them winning their first one. And I'm like, I'm one <laughs> of the great, I'm one of the goats. So that's I, kind I, of baked in though to from. as unfair as it is, it's kind of baked into women's sports though. You're always oh, going to be very secondary yeah. to men's sports. That's just, that's part of the culture. Yeah. Whether or not sports. it's right. It's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not right, but that's just the, that's the facts. So, so uh, that was one of the things I was like, you know what, Kim, you you have a leg to stand on here on that argument. I I did agree with her on that one. Um, at the same time, I was I was absolutely one of the people that was celebrating the men's championship probably more than I ever celebrated a women's one. So, like, I was part of the problem there yeah. too. Me too. I agree. So yeah, I'm sure I'm sure she's she's happy for LSU. I mean, she she loves Louisiana. She you know I don't I don't know son, if she truly loves her LSU. Son played she's a tech fan, for but. LSU baseball, so I mean she has some kind of connection to the the program. That's true. Her son did play there. Yeah. So maybe it's not as bad as like when Scott Drew won, but I still she probably would have preferred them not to. Honestly, <laughs> there was Plus, some she's other. A, she's a Louisiana Tech Bulldog anyway, so yeah, she's not even an alum anyway. Yeah. There was some other college football news uh, on the Big 12 side. Big 12 kind of released all the attendees for the Big 12 Media Day, which means you will be in attendance. Um, so did anything yeah, Hopefully I'm about... not in the state that I'm in right now when we when we get there. Oh, yeah. That what are you going to wear real quick? What are you going to wear? Are Great you gonna question. Go full... I'm glad you, you brought this up. Are you going to go full Sheehan? Are you going to like, are you going to be fly? And like... Listen, no, no one can, but... 
she can go full she hidden. I get it. Like shoot for the moon. Even if I you mean, miss, you land among the stars. Like you're gonna miss. But I think I'm gonna go with like 40 year old dad sports fan. I think I'm gonna go with like slacks and a fishing shirt. See, I was gonna go with like like jeans and a polo. That's fair. Uh, you know, like I'm gonna wear like slacks, boots, and like a fishing shirt. I think that's probably what I do. That's my yeah. that's that's a pretty common like. Joe wants to look presentable, but I'm not trying to look fancy. Look, that's that's kind yeah. of my go to. So I went Joe's back business and, casual is is boots, slacks, and a fishing shirt. I went back and looked at like last year's media day to see like what what are like the sports writers wearing? Like what's the, is the dress code here? Because get left to my own devices, I'd show up in like shorts and a and a polo. Have you have you ever seen the Super Bowl media day? Well, I mean, yeah, I've seen like the when they. Have like um, all the players in the little podiums. Yeah. So this for the Super Bowl, they basically will give out those credentials to almost anybody. It, it, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the Big Twelve is the same way. It wasn't hard for us to get no. this. No, um, we are, we are highly thought of in Big Twelve offices. <laughs> I, I'm not gonna lie. I was very surprised when I got an email. Me with and a, with me a and Joni Layman, like she thinks very highly of us. Ah, <laughs> uh, Joni, she's great. She sends great emails. She's great. Um, but yeah, it was not difficult for us to get in here. So I'm pretty sure it's the same way, but like the Super Bowl, there are people that wear like costumes to that thing. Yeah. You know, they just, they do not treat, you know, you'll have, cause it's all know, kinds Adam of Schefter media in a suit next to a guy dressed as a lobster or something. And someone from the Rolling Stones got assigned the Super Bowl. He doesn't care about sports Yeah, or what any publication it's like, you're going to Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's Dan's dinner blog applied for a credential because the Super Bowl is in his town and he went. So he dressed up like a chef. And like the NFL wants as much media attention as they can get. We do need to talk to our fellow friends across like the the tech and Iowa State and um, Oklahoma State BYU podcasts that are out there. Um, some sure. of the guys that we know, we need to talk to to Philip too from Ten Twelve and and basically see if we want to do maybe a roundtable or something like we gotta. See if there's any live shows going on that we can sneak our way on. We'll crash. Maybe we'll crash some gambling gaucho stuff like I've done before. We can crash the uh, um, second 365. I'm sure they'll be there. Yeah. On there. Just walk behind their YouTube channel. Head up to uh, shoot Colt a message or, yeah. um, you know, there's, I- I'm sure we'll find things to do. Um, it should be a pretty fun time. I was annoyed. I did go look to see if the Rangers were in town because I haven't been to the new stadium yet. And I wanted to go root against them. Uh, but that is the all-star break that week. So uh, there is no, there's no baseball going on. So here's what I'm going to do. So my family's going to meet us up there when it's over, like Thursday night, Friday morning. And I'm taking my, I'm going to the Taylor Swift exhibit at the Arlington museum of art. There's a Taylor Swift exhibit. Yeah. Yeah. My buddy from Atlanta is flying. Like, he's got clients in Dallas, so he's going to fly and just like have dinner with us a couple of times awesome. while we're up there. Yeah, my fourteen-year-old's a huge Taylor Swift fan. No, went to, went to the Ares, a Taylor Swift fan. Went to the Ares tour, and they have some Taylor Ares like exhibit this summer in the Arlington Museum of Art. So I'm going to take her to that, and then maybe go to Six Flags. We'll see. Gotcha. Well, we brought this up. We've segued hard. We've we've gone from yes. announce the announcement of who's going to to Taylor Swift. It's never uh, wrong to talk about Taylor Swift, in my opinion. <laughs> um, 
the thing that's you know you mentioned that they announced the the players that are coming yeah the thing that stuck out to me and i think this is a signal to baylor nation honestly um i i think most of the things dave aranda does are, are pretty calculated um is that blake shapen will be one of the, the players that's there in per, uh in person representing baylor yeah i kind of liked uh speaking just about baylor blake shapen being there stood out josh cameron going stood out and also Mike Smith, the transfer linebacker from Liberty, that um, I think that says a lot about their standing on the team, quite frankly. Excuse me, I was blowing my nose. It's okay. Um, yeah, no, I think this is a pretty clear message that w- we have talked about a couple of times since Blake got the job that, you know, this is as of now, maybe it could change. I think this is a pretty clear signal that this is the this is the leader. This is the quarterback. This is the guy. We're bringing him. He was the first name, I think, that was listed under Baylor as well. I don't remember if it was yeah. alphabetical or not. No, but... he's, it's not, and he's the he's the first. Yeah. So I think I think Aranda put his name down first. And I think I think it is a deal with it. He's the guy. Yeah. Um and I think that's what you want to see. If we, if you kind of can step back and look at it from like a objective pers- perspective, I mean, there is the possibility, like that Blake Shapen has like a jump in his play. We saw it from Max Duggan last year. Yeah. So like you have to remember, like he's only started thirteen games, and, and he's been hurt. Let's be honest, like. I don't think I don't think he's played a full game with us at 100%, except for maybe the first game last year. And I did like that Aranda pointed out in some of his press conferences that um he thinks that last year the offense tried to change their identity. They I he like, you know, and he didn't quite say this, but it, it I got the vibe that they got a little cocky and they were like, "All right, yeah, we mastered that kind of stretch were- run game, play action stuff, short passes with Gary with yeah. Blake this year, we're just going to go deep. We're going to go for the big stuff. And it the bottom fell out on them. And so I think, you know, what we've heard from Miranda is they're kind of going to go back to their their Grimes roots a little bit. We're probably going to see the offense look a little bit more like it did in 2021 than it did in yeah. 2022. And, I, um, and that'll be I, helpful for Shapen. I think if you look at the what they've done in the transfer portal, it kind of speaks. It affirms that um, assumption by adding in Dominic Richardson, by bringing in the offensive lineman from BYU, you know, you kind of see like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go back to what, you know, our bread and butter. We're going to go back to what got us a big 12 championship. And you're right. They may have been a little bit too cocky. They were picked number one at the, at last year's big 12 media days. They were, I think Desmond Howard and maybe even Herb street had him in the playoff. And yeah, like, I think, like didn't didn't Desmond Howard have like us A and M us and A and M both it's, in there? It's something yeah, crazy. Yeah, so I mean, it's like that may have gone to their heads a little bit, and then we know about what Aranda's talked about with the locker room issues that they were having last year. That it's kind of a perfect storm of mediocrity. Yeah. Um, the one omission that I saw from the Baylor group that I, I I wouldn't say like, I'm surprised he's not there. I was just really hoping he's there because everybody talks about what a freak he is athletically and just Mm -hmm. size wise is Gabe Hall. He's the best defensive lineman. I think we are bringing who from the defensive line though. TJ Franklin. Yep. 
who I, I wonder if this is a situation a where I, I truly because I'm sure every coach does this differently. I would bet you like like there are some coaches out there that are CEOs, right? Like a Brian Kelly, for example. I remember hearing an, an, an anecdote about him in, when he was at Notre Dame about how he was like the consummate CEO coach that he 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 couldn't necessarily tell you the names of all the players on his team. Like he didn't know all the kids that were on Notre Dame's team. It was the job of the assistants to be able to do that. And then he was just kind of, you followed his lead. And so I'm sure like a guy like Brian Kelly, he probably doesn't pick the names at all. He probably delegates that to somewhere else. I know for a fact, based off of what we've heard from former Baylor coaches that are no longer around that, you know, when it comes to the coaches poll, a number of the coaches don't even fill that stuff in at all. They leave it to like an intern. There's not a single coach. Oh, I guarantee you there are some. I guarantee that thing out. I, I, I would bet Dabo does. I bet Nick Saban is not feeling that out. Oh, Nick Saban, 100%. Nick Saban's the CEO. I, I would bet you Nick not. Saban also doesn't pick most of the guys that go to SEC media days. So I would be curious to see if, like, what Baylor's process is for this. I think Aranda picked Shapen or Grimes picked Shapen. Like, somebody high up in the, in the coaching ranks picked him. But I wonder, like, when you're taking defensive linemen, I wonder if you go to TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall together and say, hey, which one of you wants to go? And if like Gabe's like, nah, I don't really want to talk to the, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't want to go talk to a bunch of media and TJ is like really excited about it. Then you take TJ. Um, yeah. So I, I'd be curious to know what the process was. Who are the rest of the guys that are coming for Baylor? So along with the one, so you have Drake Dabney, tight end Drake Dabney, wide receiver, Josh Cameron and linebacker, Mike Smith Jr. Those are the five. Baylor's bringing five. Most everyone's bringing, I think four, except for, there's a few teams like BYU bringing five, Texas is bringing five, um, TC is bringing five. So. Is Texas bringing Quinn? Yeah. Good, good. Like you got to put him in front of the cameras. Texas is bringing like Texas is like Quinn Ewers, Jordan Whittington, Xavier Worthy, Jalen Ford, Jade Barron, like stars, only stars. This is their. This is this is a um, a pre-draft interview. Like, hey, go show the go show the NFL teams yeah. that you can that I you mean, can do this. I was looking at Texas list because some people are bringing like I was reading. I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. But yeah, Texas I noticed like, a lot oh. of names that I didn't notice that I didn't quite know. Um, I did. I did see like Oklahoma State was bringing like, um, oh, who's their wide receiver? That's really good. Um, Brennan Presley. Yeah, Brennan Presley. They're bringing him. Uh, Kansas is bringing both Jalen Daniels and Devin Neal. Um, is Tech bringing Jaron Bradley with them and Malik Dunlap? Uh, let me go back up to day two. They're on day two, so no, they're bringing none of neither of those. Wow, those are I think those two guys are probably their best players. So they're bringing Tyler Shuck, Taj Brooks, Tony Bradford Jr., and Jalen Hutchings. You know what pissed me off the most when I first saw this list earlier today? What? Not a single kicker or punter. No. How rude! How rude! I was looking at. So like like OU's bringing their quarterback, um, Cincinnati's uh, bringing Dylan Gabriel, and then Drake Stoops, Jonah Lalu, and Danny Stutzman. So, so we are talking when we get to our our preview segment today. We're talking Iowa State. Who's Iowa State bringing? Uh, Jalen Noel, wide receiver, defensive back Bo Frailer. Defensive back TJ Tampa and I was going to say okay they better be bringing Tampa yeah and uh, Jerry Vaughn linebacker Jerry Vaughn interesting all right I'm going to hold back my 
I, I'm reading into that a little bit right now. I'm going to hold it, hold it back until we get to like the high so level. They're not bringing their uh, second year starting quarterback. And I think there's a reason for that. So you see, I have, I have heard yeah. rumor of things going on. Oh, you have the inside track on Iowa state rumors. That's for sure. I have, I have heard from, heard from a guy who heard from a guy who heard from a guy who heard from a guy rumors. So take anything I say about any team with a massive grain of salt, unless I tell you otherwise, I'm not, not, not fancy enough to have that many, that much inside info. So they're breaking it up into two days, but I think it said like all teams will be there both two days. I don't know. Yeah, so like these are just like when the players are talking, but like there's different coach availability, and then there's different like breakout groups. You know, like there's for, gonna be like a room for Fox where like Baylor goes in and they talk. Like you can go in there and it's just like all the Fox people interviewing them, and then there's like an ESPN room. Yeah, I was reading through. I was reading through the activities for it. I'm gonna dive into it a little. I was bit trying more to figure depth. it out because I was like, "Where's like you know?" Because they have like the regular breakout where everyone, anyone can just walk up and ask questions. When that was gonna be, but because I did see where it's breaking, like Fox talks at this time ESPN's yes. at this time kids reporter whatever at this time so i'm um, interested to see the kids reporter thing i think that'll be fun so you have in byu they have like keaton slovis so former usc former pit quarterback keaton slovis i believe do they have tyler batty there yeah tyler batty right, good. There. he's a monster of a defensive lineman and byu is bringing their punter they are so they are bringing a punter. Excellent way to go, way to go, BYU. I think it's Ryan Raycow. They say his last name. Oh, he is very good. He's very good. I was, I would have. Uh, so uh, we're gonna do our 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 all conference teams that we submitted when we get to Big Twelve Media Days. We said, but I'll 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 let y'all know. I did not pick him as my punter only because there's another punter from one of the other new joiners who is considered to probably be the best punter in the country. But I almost picked BYU's punter as my my All-Big 12 team. But yeah, but he I picked is one from only, a different new joining school. He's the only specialist going to Big 12 media days. Gotcha. Well, that should be fun. Um, um, I'm, if, I'm really excited to go. Um, are you going to ask a bunch of questions and get on TV, Matt? Um, so I've been, I've been debating this in my head. Like what our tech should be. Should like we try to come up with like be like real like journalists and come up with questions or should I only come up with like Star Wars questions and ask? I I have never wanted anything more than I want you to ask Dave Aranda a Star Wars question just to hear him say, I appreciate your question. Yeah, I mean, I really, I was thinking about this. I mean, that's more like on brand for what we do. I was like, let's just try to tie in college football to like, I'm just going to ask questions. Just do and everything fact- we can to get blackballed from this event forever. I can't believe they let us, like, uh, to let you guys in on a little bit here. We we had applied for credentials last year and got them. And then, Matt, you had some family stuff that popped up last minute. And I had some major work stuff pop up. Like, I couldn't take off. I couldn't go. And so, like. We couldn't go to the event, and I didn't find out until like a day or two before that I wasn't going to be able to go. And so I, I emailed the Big 12, and I was like, hey, sorry, I'm not going to be there. And they never said anything back to me. I don't know if they even got my email or even cared. Yeah, because they probably said, but, I don't give a shit, and then yeah. deleted your email. Yeah, <laughs> but like I was half expecting when we applied this year for them to be like, uh, you applied last year and didn't show up. Again, 
I think they, they just care. like I think it's like if you get in in the time frame, you're gonna get a credential. Yeah, I, I think what it is is like we just want as many media people like get, give us as much coverage as sure you've got a podcast, then yeah, you can come. But the thing is, I was thinking like, are you gonna ask like uh, Brett Yormark a question like when he has his press conference like day one? Like, he's the first thing that happens is like the state of the Big Twelve kind of like press conference. Is Utah joining in July or August? <laughs> No, that's what if that has to be the first question. I had a tinfoil hat on the other day and I was like, what if they're just waiting? Like he's going to announce like, did you go to their uh, like the spring closing press conference that they did? The Zoom press conference that they did? No, a couple weeks ago. So I I went and they started off by basically saying like (laughs) it was kind of like we're not going to answer expansion questions like they, they like he came in. He was like, here's the details on what we're talking about with expansion. That's what you've got. A couple of people asked some like tangential questions that touched on expansion, but it was more like, are, would you consider bringing in whole members or half members like that kind of thing? But it wasn't anything specific. And I, I'm expecting him to do the same at media days where he comes up and he's like, okay, I know you guys all want to know about this. Here's my pre-prepared statement on it. You know, avoid asking more questions that dive any deeper than this. Here's what I think he's going to do. He's going to send up these like, I'm proud to announce that we've received applications from Colorado and Arizona. And last night, we unanimously decided to bring them in the Big 12 starting in 2024. The Big 12 will officially be bringing in Notre Dame. Like, just on day one, out of the gate, on media day, just to blow up the, like, news cycle. Oh, that'd be glorious. To be there. Yeah. Oh, we're going to, as they say in the musical Hamilton, uh, we're going to be in the room where it happens. Yep. Uh, but that's really all that I, I, one name that stuck out, like John Ross Plumley is going to be there from UCF. He's been playing football for half a deck, more like a decade, seems like. Um, Will Howard from Kansas State. So, but yeah, it'll be boring. I did notice that, uh, West Virginia. They have two offensive linemen, a defensive lineman, a linebacker, and a defensive back. No offensive players except for the linemen. No like skill players are going to the media days for West Virginia. No stats guys. No. Hmm. Which um Again, I would love to see these. Like I wonder I, I really think... do wonder like if if guys get asked, you know, if it's like Hey, we want you to go to media day. And a guy's like, I, I I have zero desire. Like, no, no desire to do that. Thanks, coach. Yeah, I mean, there has to be some people like that's I'm not comfortable. That's not my comfort zone. Yeah. Plus, you also have to think about the fact like we it's in Dallas. So we kind of take for granted that it's like it's a short drive for Baylor guys or for TCU guys or for Texas guys. But like if you're from BYU or West Virginia, that's a that's a flight. Even, even for Texas Tech, it's not that bad. Yeah. Mean, it's a long ride, but yeah, Oklahoma, or, or, it's a few hours. Like it's not bad at all. I mean, Texas Tech probably they probably get a flight maybe, and yeah, they'll do a regional flight for sure. A regional they've got, flight. They've got they've got jets. Yeah. So, but like you said, like for West Virginia, BYU, I mean, that's a that's a trek to Arlington, Cincinnati, you, even UCF. You know. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, if you're a guy that's, that's like, I don't like flying, you're probably going to be like, nah, I'd, I'd rather not. Thanks. But I'm sure they do things and they have, like, all these events and they get to, you know, 
Well, I know like Dave Aranda's doing one of those like, uh, you know, he goes around and speaks to alumni groups or whatever. He's doing one in Dallas the first night. So Wednesday night he'll be in Dallas doing one of those like football club type of like speeches. Gotcha. Pay a bunch of money, get a table. Yeah, pay a bunch of money, get a table, and he'll, he'll talk, and people from Baylor talk. I'm sure Mac Rhodes will be there and all that. Javon Overshone, I'm sure, will be there. For sure. For sure. Our our super awesome assistant AD that does everything. Does amazing work. All right. Anything else about Big 12 Media Days, these announcements, anything that um, you have to If say? you have a question that you want us to ask, Send it, tweet, tweet it to at the Baird End Pod, and yes. we will, we will. I will say ninety percent guarantee we'll ask it unless unless you're just totally out of line. And I'll put or that Matt on, gets cold feet. I'll put a. We'll put that out on Twitter as well, and maybe reach out to more people that in the. Uh, I'm Discord. just scared of what like Neil Galimo or um, Scott Spain Smith might might want us to ask. Oh yeah, definitely Scott. He's a he's a wild card for sure. When I my my line about like Utah Utah in July or August, like when I told Peter, our friend Peter, that um that I that I got a credential to go, that was what he said. He goes, ask your mark, uh your mark Utah today or tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, I'm all right, that's media days, questions. Matt. Let's let's dive into the meat. Okay. Let's get into this. Is the fun stuff. We get to talk about football again. I miss football. I I'm excited when we get to talk football. As we mentioned earlier in the pod, um, we are going to be talking Iowa State Cyclones, one of the two teams I'm regularly accused of being a secret fan of. And you know what? I do. I do like Iowa State. I mean, you do um, follow a lot of Iowa State people on Twitter. I do. I'm friends with them, man. Like they're think there are some very cool people that go to Iowa State. I know that there is a lot of animosity there. Um, you know, post the Bryles era, some of the things that were said, and then in the uh in the heart of the rule era, rule and Campbell did not get along. Um, and I don't think our teams got along. We even had a big old fight on the field up there in in Jack Trice. Um, well, and the coach I, is a as a child. Uh, Campbell, I like Campbell. He those fits on the side. I just can't. His histrionics just rub me the wrong way on the sideline when he gets a call goes against him. It's I mean, like, Saban does it. Let me start with the differences between Saban and uh, Matt Campbell. <laughs> hey, our coach was spanking dudes on the sideline last year. In celebration, that's different. That is different. But yes, I have. One person I follow from Iowa State, Travis, great man. Travis clones. Don't think, can't think more highly of a person. Amazing human being. You're right. And Um, diehard fan. Uh, There's maybe something you don't know about him that may change your opinion. Travis, if you listen to this, you won't. You're an Iowa State fan. Maybe you will because we're talking about Iowa State. I don't know. Hi, Travis. I'll tag you Um, in the post. But uh, one thing you may not know about him is he's also an Aggie. Yes, but also in my mind, I think – He's like an honorary Texan in that regard. True. Yeah. He he's and he's an honorary Houstonian. He lived outside of Houston for a little while. So like um, but he's he is only an Aggie pretty much for baseball. He is an Aggie baseball fan. Because 
Iowa State doesn't have a baseball, right? They do not have a baseball team. That is correct. Because there's a whole big thing about like they were like West Virginia supporters for some reason this year. I don't know if you caught that story. I did. Yes. Okay. They uh, but yeah, he's 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 a pretty big uh, and and Aggie, you know, like we talked about, LSU really cares about their baseball team. The Aggies really care about their baseball team too. Yeah. So, um, so he's he's a big Aggie baseball fan. But yes, he is a he is a ride or die. Um, his mood will go up and down based off of the success of Iowa State basketball and football. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure from what I know about him, I, I talk to him pretty often. We, uh, I talk to him multiple times a week. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty close friends at this point. And, um, you know, I, <laughs> I know he's not the most excited about this upcoming Iowa State season. When um, I mentioned to you before we started recording that I actually I actually moved Iowa State further down where I had them ranked on my list after having a conversation with five or six Iowa State fans that I know. And I was like, hey, I put you guys here. And they were like, absolutely not put us lower. No way. Like, we know our team better than you. We are not that good. And I was okay. And so I dropped them. And it was when I showed it to I showed it to our friend Matt is bear. And he was like, oh, I think Iowa State should be higher. And I was like, they told me to put them there. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I there is from what I have seen, there is not a ton of enthusiasm uh within the Iowa State fan base for this season. There is multiple reasons for that, Matt. Before we dive into the game by game here, reason number one is we're talking about a team that went four and eight last year. Not mm-hmm. just four and eight, but one and eight in their last nine games. The only game that they won in their last nine last year was against West Virginia, who was one of the worst teams in the Big 12. I can't believe we lost to them. Um, but they're not they're not thinking that they're going to come off of a four and eight year. I was going to put them higher. I actually had some high thoughts on them because I thought, where's a team that can be like TCU last year where there's a quarterback that maybe has some talent, They've got some skill players that have some talent, which they absolutely do at Iowa State. You know, they've got Jarrell Brock. Uh, they've got Jalen Noel at wide receiver. He's really good. Um, so they've got some dudes, and I trust their defense. I very, very much trust um, Coach Heacock and Coach Campbell and what they do on the defensive side of the ball there. There's a reason that half the country goes to Ames to learn defense. And, you know, so I was like, you know what? If we see you know, Hunter Deckers, their starting quarterback, take a leap from year one to year two. They're a year separated from the, uh, what I call like kind of the the replacement theory, which is they were coming off last year, a bunch of guys graduating that were programmed to finding players in Brock Purdy, Charlie Kolar. Um, uh, oh my Brees God. Hall. Brees Hall. Thank you. I was about to punch myself in the face for forgetting Brees' name. But you're talking about like the greatest players that have ever played football, pretty much. At Xavier Iowa Hutchinson. State. Yeah, Xavier Hutchinson, now a Houston Texan. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about guys like that that you're having to replace, and that's tough. That's a lot of pressure, and I feel like the players last year absolutely felt that, and and I think that that played into it. So they're going to be a year more experienced. They're going to be a year removed from the kind of you know turnover and filling shoes of greatness. So in my mind, I was like, this is going to be a team that I think is an easy one to pick as a dark horse to rise up. Not necessarily a team that's going to compete to make it to Arlington for the championship at the end of the year, but a team that I thought could be in the top half of the conference. Um, But like I said, when I presented that argument to people that know the team better than me, I was shot down pretty quickly. 
the two reasons for that was a they're just they just don't have a whole, whole lot of faith in the group because of how they performed last year and then the other part of it is for those who aren't aware there is a big scandal going on in college sports in the entire state of Iowa right now around gambling so apparently um I wasn't aware that this was a rule, but it apparently is. There's basically a rule across the NCAA that um, NCAA players cannot gamble. It doesn't matter if they're gambling on their own sport or another sport. They're just not allowed to. They're not allowed to participate in online gambling. Um, Iowa, it's legal to gamble in Iowa. Um, it's, it's legal to do you know online sports betting, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it is. But essentially what was happening was it appears that football players and I guess players from other sports as well as well, at both Iowa and Iowa State, um, have been found to have been gambling. I don't. I, I haven't heard anything that says that they were gambling on football, they, I, or or college football. You know, like maybe they were gambling on the NFL, maybe college basketball. I don't know. Um, but I have been told that both Hunter Deckers and Jarrell Brock, they're very good starting running back, um, are caught up in this gambling net, and I have heard. I've heard different things. I've heard some people that don't think anything's going to happen. I've heard some people tell me that they think there's going to be a multiple game suspension for both of them. And maybe even other guys that are on the football team. And I've even had uh, at at least one, I can't remember if it was one or two, but I know for a fact, at least one of my friends that went to Iowa state and follows the team very closely and, you know, spends a lot of time talking to people who know things. Um, He's of the opinion that there's a possibility that both Hunter Deckers and Jarrell Brock may never play a snap for Iowa State again. I don't agree with that because I think we would have heard that by now. We're almost to July. The season's starting in about a month and a half. um, He participated in spring, right? Yes. So the the thing with this year is like you just don't you got to you kind of got to go business as usual. This is kind of unprecedented territory. We're seeing it in the NFL, too. Guys are getting suspended left and right. They they did announce they're doing like investigations into athlete gambling on May 9th. So that was, I think, post-spring football. Okay. So it, there is a possibility here, and I, this is driving some of the the doom and gloom, I think, that there may be some major players, some major production that disappears for Iowa State or may disappear for a period of time during the season because these guys might get caught up in this gambling scandal. I don't agree with this rule. I just want to point that out. I think it's stupid. I agree with saying if you're a college football player, you can't gamble on college football. I would even agree with saying if you are a college athlete, you can't gamble on college sports because maybe you have some inside information from a buddy at another school. You know, if you're if you're a wide receiver at Baylor, you might have a friend that's the point guard on the basketball team who can tell you some inside information about what's going on in practice. Or maybe they played AAU ball with a guy at Oklahoma State and he's given that guy inside information who gives it to you. So I'm okay with saying, hey, don't gamble in college sports. I, I can swallow that. But it's the dumbest thing in the world to me. And and this is my what I believe is the rule. Somebody can correct me if I'm wrong here. But I believe the rule is they just can't gamble whatsoever. And if it's legal in your state, who cares if you gamble on an NBA game? Like, really, who cares? So I did say this. It was um, It was just reported today. The NCAA, NCAA Day announces lesser penalties for sports betting. Oh, interesting. So, yeah, that was that was a news story that came out today. Uh, things like if you engage in activities that influence the outcome of games, that's, like, different. Yes. Like, it's like loss of eligibility. Uh, yeah, if you, like, if you wager on your own ever. sport, 
or another school in your own sport, you may lose like half of your eligibility. But it other things, it's like you'll it'll be like ten percent of a season, two hundred or less. It's like it was like you're gonna get like ten percent of a season, as opposed to like being ineligible. So they are like lessening the penalties. Like the NCAA has way more progressive views about sports gambling, online bet gambling than the NFL, who just like suspended a handful of players for gambling. I'm wondering in a year. I'm that makes me honestly wonder if like there are more guys than we're aware of that are being caught up in this scandal, and the NCAA is like we can't just like ban everybody. Okay, so let me change what I said. So if it's 200 or less now in the NCAA, you'll just have to do like sports wagering prevention education. Previously, it was a 10% loss of your season. So it's just like you just have to go to education class. Now, if you go 200 to 500, then that's a loss of 10%. So like if you're doing like small bets, like I'm putting 50 bucks on the basketball team, whatever, you're just going to have to go to like uh, education class. But if you're a big old degenerate and you're saying, but if I'm you're putting like four hundred fifty dollars down, no, if you're putting like five grand down, it's like thirty percent eligibility loss. Gotcha. But That's only totally, what four games, so yeah. But I mean, it, yeah, it, compared to what it was, it was like half of your season, half your eligibility would be lost. And I don't even think that's for the year. I don't. It may be like I don't know if it's for. If it used to be like oh your career your career like fit your, oh. you have like four years left you'd have two years left wow that's but they that they changed it now it's going to be like based on a dollar amount it's going to be like leveled because like I said if you're putting like dude your small why time, is that why is that the measuring stick I don't know we're talking about gambling we don't need to be talking I don't know why we're basically talking, we got in this basically Iowa there are some Iowa State fans I'm not going to paint a broad brush I'm not going to say everybody. There are some Iowa State fans that I have spoken to that believe that they may be negatively affected by the gambling scandal, and I think that's part yes. of the reason why they're not as high. And they do you... have, though, Matt. Do you know who he's currently listed third on their depth chart? I think he's going to be second. Um, have you ever heard of JJ Cole? No. JJ Cole is a true freshman quarterback. I've heard of J. Cole. Um, Yes, he's from Ankeny, Iowa, which is right outside of Ames. Dude was a four-star, 90-rated prospect. The fourth overall prospect in Iowa, a top-20 quarterback nationally. Um, I believe he's one of the highest-rated recruits and I think is the highest-rated quarterback to ever go to Iowa State. Um, dude is 6'7", 230. He's a beast um, and can sling it. Um, he's won multiple – I think he's won multiple state titles. I know he's at least won one. Has a cannon and has a cannon uh, for an arm. Um, he can throw on the move. He can run a little bit. Multi-sport athlete kind of dude. Um, like his his dad was uh, a consultant for the Chicago Bears. He's like he's one of those kids that's like if there's ever a real deal prospect, it's likely going to be him. So if something were to happen to Deckers, where like Deckers can't play because of gambling or injury or something like that, I'm guessing. Uh, they're going to bring Cole in. Their their other quarterback that they've kind of got sitting and waiting right now is a guy named uh, Rocco Beck. He redshirted last year. Um, I'm I'm guessing JJ Cole jumps him on the depth chart before the season starts, and and Cole ends up being the. It, it might be one of those things where they redshirt Cole, 
just to maintain a year of eligibility for him if Deckers can just go and he can play the whole year. And then if something happens to Deckers, they can take the red shirt away and Cole can, you know, you can play four games and keep your red shirt. So it may be one of those things where Brett, uh, where Beck stays as the backup on the depth chart. But I think if there was some kind of like long-term thing that were to happen to Deckers where he was going to be out for a while, my assumption would be JJ Cole would become the starter. Okay, so yeah, so the backup situation, you have redshirt freshman, true freshman. Redshirt freshman, true freshman. Not great. And then they do have another true freshman uh, named Wyatt Bohm, who I know nothing about. And then they've got a transfer that is a junior um, named Tanner Hughes. Where do, uh, And he transferred from Butte College, which, uh, if I remember correctly, is where Aaron Rodgers transferred to Cal from. So... Uh, I don't know. Maybe they got Aaron Rodgers sitting at fourth on their depth chart right now, but I'm looking at their, their current projected depth chart. And yeah, Tanner Hughes is at fourth uh, transfer out of Butte college. And then they've got um, a guy named Wyatt Bohm, who is from Mahomet, Illinois from Mahomet Seymour high school um, as a true freshman as the fifth string. But they do, they, they have a beast in waiting. They were very, very excited when they got him. Um, I know, I think Iowa went after him real hard too. Um, and being an Iowa kid, getting getting him to come to Ames, a highly rated quarterback, he's a big deal for them. He's kind of like their player of the future. So, uh, you think he's like? There's any threat of like transfer portal hijinks with him? I don't know. Not with not with this kid. He's like again. He's from Ankeny, which a lot of there's like a lot of people that go to Iowa State live in Ankeny. Like, I, I know multiple people that live in Ankeny. And um, I don't know what any of these words are that you're saying. It's a city. Okay. So it's like, uh, I think the way I could compare it is like, it'd be like if you went to Baylor and moved to Temple. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Or like you're, you live in Waxahachie, something like that. All right. So like you're, you're, you're close by. And then there's a lot of other people that also went to Iowa state that live there. So he's surrounded by cyclones. I, I don't think there's a transfer portal thing with him. Um, I don't think many guys go to play for Matt Campbell thinking that they're going to transfer out anyway. So, cause he, he very much recruits for um, who a guy is more than what a guy is. It's a similar, similar Baylor does like the person over player thing. Like, correct. Yeah. You have to player. fit our program, what we do. Exactly. You're, you know, I'd rather take a two star that I can mold and I know will work hard than a four star that I'm worried about leaving. Matt Rule did the same thing. He had the whole like you're one of us. That's like hashtag one of us. You know, it's like you have to fit our mold of what we do in our culture. Yep, and it's a very James Blanchard thing too that's going on at Tech. Yeah, and that's that's like kind of like a new. I mean, I think Matt Rule kind of well, Matt Rule definitely introduced it, and then Blanchard is on that staff. Uh, Joy was on that staff, so that they not to just talk about tech, but you know they kind of taken like the Matt Rule blueprint, and that's what they're doing at Texas Tech. All right, now so, Iowa State, Iowa State fans, if you've listened this long, we'll we'll finally do it. We're gonna get into your schedule. Um, I have I I won't say the number, but I have Iowa State in the bottom half of the Big Twelve. All right, as, as do I. So I have them finishing in the bottom half. I will say again, I had them finishing in the top half. So before you come and skewer me, if you disagree with the people that I talked to and me, I had them in the top top half. I was talked into putting them in the bottom half. 
Um, so I don't have the highest hopes for Iowa State right now, but I, I think I might be wrong. Like, I don't know. Like, my gut still tells me something good's going to happen there this year. Um, but let's dive in, Matt. Iowa State starts off September 2nd at home against the Northern Iowa Panthers. Uh, this, Yeah, again, this is at home. Jack Trice, it's going to be a 2 o'clock Eastern game uh, on ESPN+. Plus. Matt, any chance that Northern Iowa pulls off the early early season upset here? I don't think so. I think uh, Iowa State is victorious. Agreed. We got a 1-0 Iowa State team. You're going to take care of business against Northern Iowa. I don't think Northern Iowa is going to be able to score much. This Iowa State defense is going to be an Iowa State defense, which is very good. Next up, we have the game of the year for Iowa State. Uh, It's normally their second game of the year every single season. They had, I can't remember how long the drought was. That was ended last year. It got ended in Iowa City at Kinnick Stadium. This year, they come back home to Ames, play it in Jack Trice. It's the Cyhawk game. Iowa comes to town, the Iowa Hawkeyes. This game is a nationally televised game, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Fox, big boy Fox. Uh, last year, this game was an absolute snooze fest. What was it, 10 to 7? 10 to 7. 10 to 7 last year. A classic Iowa football game. Classic uh, El Asico. Yes, El Asico. Exactly. Now, Iowa State has a new offense this year. All right. Both of these schools have been known the last couple of years for having, like, I'm just going to come out and say it, uh, a dumpster fire of an offense, both of the teams. And they're both also known for having an, oh, God, do we have to play them again defense? Like, nobody wants to play their defense. Every defense wants to play against their offense. Iowa State made improvements this year, they got new coaching. They should have a new style of play, a new system. Iowa, their offensive coordinator is the head coach's son, and he sucks. And it's pure nepotism, and they won't fire him, even though the entire fan base wants to see him go. Now, he does have a contract change that he has to score, like, what is it, like 26 points a game? Oh, it's not even that. It's it's, it's worse a, than that. I re- it, yeah, they added those, like, metrics in there. There's, like, metrics the, for him to get, like, the full It's the worst I've ever seen. It's like, so. it's like, it's like hey, hey, Brian, write your name right. Is what it is. Like, hey, the quarterback, like, make sure the quarterback doesn't fumble the snap every time. It's kind of what they've got. But yes, the Iowa comes to town. Now, I don't remember the last time Iowa won or Iowa State won a home game against Iowa. Like I said, they there was a very long drought. They won it at Iowa last year. Matt, who wins this game? Iowa. Oh, you got you got a loss for Iowa State, so you're taking Iowa. I'm mm-hmm. taking Iowa State to go back-to-back, win this thing. My main reason is I think Iowa's offense is going to continue to be a complete dumpster fire, and this is a game that even if Iowa has the best defense in the world, I think I think they might get shut out. This is a game that I could see being, even if Iowa State makes no improvements on offense, which I think they will, they're going to score more than 10 points, I think, this year. But I could, like if this game ended 3 nothing and Iowa State won it, I wouldn't be surprised. It was that kind of thing. But I think this is going to be closer to like a a 21 to 10 kind of game. And I think Iowa State wins it just because their defense, I think, is equal, but their offense is going to be a little bit better. And uh, so, yeah, I'm going to take Iowa State to win this one. So you got them one and one. I've got them two and oh right now. Um, Interesting. What's your reason? Why do you think Iowa's going to win that game? Iowa State, historically, under Matt Campbell, they they start a little bit slow. And that's on, last year and on purpose. That's historically, and that was one year. Uh, 
they and Matt Campbell does it. They take it easy in fall camp. They don't kind of gear up until the towards the middle of the season. That's why there's a whole like the whole like Brocktober thing started because when October hits, they're like firing on all, all cylinders because they kind of like gear up to the season. And so, and I just think Iowa has more talent. Gotcha. I just think Brian Ferentz is dumb. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I do also, I do also believe that. Um, But uh, I know we've heard that they got a new offense. I'm more of a, like, I'll believe it when I see it. Cause I I did watch Iowa state offense last year and it's. That was was a Tom Manning offense. Not good. Yeah. It was, it was stinky bad. Same players, but uh, okay. All right, so we the, our first split on that one. We are, we're not in agreement. Finally, woohoo! Uh, we've been we've been mixing and matching a little bit when we've been mm-hmm. doing these this year. Last year it was like we were the same on everything. All right, first road game of the year. This is a road game that a lot of teams wouldn't play. Um, they are headed to Athens, Ohio, to Peden Stadium. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly to face off against the Ohio Bobcats. Um, this is their last non-conference game of the year. Um, like most of the Big 12, three non-conference games uh, to start the year. There's only a couple that that have a conference game early. Uh, this is a game that also already has a time and TV slot. This will be at 12 p.m. Eastern. It will be either ESPN2 or ESPNU, but ESPN has this game. Matt, do, does Iowa, ha- Iowa State have a shot at losing to uh, uh, Ohio? No, I don't think so. Um. They they beat them last year handily, and Ohio won ten games last year. So I think that they're going to be able to handle the Bobcats. Yeah, uh, I agree with you. This is another win. I've got Iowa State for two years in a row, starting three and zero. You've got Iowa State starting two and one with their only loss to a Big Ten team. So nothing to really be that sad about. Um, now we get into the big 12 schedule and they start off with back-to-back old rival big eight school matchups. First of which being at home, they welcome in the fighting Gundies of Oklahoma state to Jack Trice. No TV time on this one yet, but it's week four, September 23rd, Matt, who wins Iowa state, Oklahoma state. I'm going to go with Iowa state. I'm, I'm pretty low on Oklahoma State this year. So I think let me take a look. You said yeah, this is at home. I like Iowa State at home. I do too. Uh I think I, I have been on the record for every single time this team has been brought up. I think Oklahoma State's gonna be terrible this year. So I'm I'm taking Iowa State to win this one. And they start the season four and oh and I think everybody in Ames is going to be like, we're back, baby. It's bad. It's time. We're here. Oh. But then, Matt, after that win against Oklahoma State, they go on the road for to face off a team that they've been playing for a very long time, both in the Big 8, now in the Big 12, and this is likely the last time the two will ever play, likely the last time Iowa State fans will have the chance to travel to Norman, Oklahoma, when they face off against the Sooners at Gaylord Family Oklahoma Memorial Stadium on September 30th. Matt, does Oklahoma hold uh, hold their own at home, or does Iowa State send them to the SEC sad with a home loss? Um, I think Oklahoma wins at home. I agree with you, too. 
Um, I think I think this is one that it's going to be just. I think I think Iowa State fans are going to travel to this one, but I think OU fans are going to be there too, and I, I think it's going to be a loud stadium. I they've always looked down on Iowa State, and I think they're going to want to send. I think they're going to walk off to the SEC against their former Big Eight opponents with victories. Um, this might be a tight one just because of Iowa State's defense, but I'm not sure that Iowa State's offense will have the horses to be able to compete. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Oklahoma to win this one as well. So I've got them with their first loss. You've got them with their second. So I have them four and one. You've got them three and two. Uh now uh Iowa State will head back home, hop on a plane, fly back to Ames. They've got what, one, two, three, four, five. Man, they've got seven games before their bye week. <laughs> So they will, uh, for their sixth game of the year, again, hop on a plane, head back to Jack Trice and Ames to face off against the national runner-up, TCU Horn Frogs. Uh, does TCU have a shot to win in Ames? Ooh, I'm, I'm debating this one because on one hand, I think TCU is more talented. On the other hand, they beat them, they put up 62 points on Iowa State last year, so there. I'm sure there's some revenge factor going on. To kind of, uh, they're embarrassed, sixty-two to fourteen in Fort Worth. But I think TCU just is a little bit too much for them. So I think TCU wins. All right, Matt. Last year, when TCU put sixty-two up on a Matt Campbell defense, who was their offensive coordinator? Uh, the Manning guy. No, TCU's offensive coordinator. Oh, TCU's offensive coordinator. I'm sorry. Uh Garrett Riley? Garrett Riley. Who is their who is their offensive coordinator now? Oh, it'd be one Kendall Briles. Kendall Briles. Now, has we the Briles offense been successful against the 335 that Matt Campbell and and in Heacock have kind of pioneered? Um Well, I mean, it's at times yes and no. Yes and no. Yeah, that's a fair answer. Um, I don't think it's going to be that successful against their defense. And it's an Ames. I think, and it's, we're talking about, it's going to be, it's, this is mid-October or early October. That grass is going to be thick and long. I mean, it's going to slow things down. I don't know if, Bra- did the Browse play against uh, Matt Campbell? Yeah, I think he did, didn't he? Well, Matt we Campbell always came- sucked against them, I felt like. Well, I mean, I think I don't know if they ever played against a Brawls offense. Hasn't he been there since like 2012? Matt Campbell? Yeah. No, I think it's like 2015. Let's see. Right? Let's see. I maybe maybe I'm a big old dum dum. Who knows? I always remember thinking that the the Brawls offense sucked against uh, sucked against them. You were correct. Yeah, he's only been at, he's been at Iowa State since 2016. Yeah, very good. Very good call. Yeah. Very good call. Anyway. Um, I, all that, I, all that I've said, I think there's a lot of disadvantages to TCU's offense that are going to be happening in Ames. Um, and I do agree with you. I think it's going to be a revenge game. I think that crowd's going to be hyped up. Um, again, this is the, it's the national runner up coming to town. Like, let's get crazy. Let's beat these guys. Let's, let's get some for revenge for what they did to us last year. Um, plus Iowa state fans have no love for anybody. That's a part of the Bryles family, as we all know. So now I think, I'll, I think I'll say played- that. They never played Matt Campbell. However, they do hate Iowa State played Bryles. Play Plows, like, and they do hate Bryles. Yes. So, and when TCU hired him, Iowa State were some of the loudest voices in the room, if we're being honest. Yeah. Um, all of that said, 
the very first thing that you said about TCU, I think is true. They are more talented. I think TCU's team is more talented. I think this is going to be a tight game. I think it's going to be a close game. I think the difference is this. TCU has one of the best kickers in the country. When you're on the road in a hostile environment, when it when points are hard to come by in college football, to have a good kicker, there's almost nothing better. And I think that's what this is going to come down to. It's going to come down to special teams play. And if we've seen anything from Matt Campbell in his tenure at Iowa State, it's that he can do a lot of things really, really well. For whatever reason, the one thing his teams have consistently done poorly, even when their offense has been pretty good, even when their defense has been otherworldly, they have not been able to figure special teams out. Special teams has killed them so many times. And this is one of those things where I think TCU has a massive advantage on one side of the ball on special teams. Remember, this is a three, there's three parts to football. We forget about special teams all the time. And I think, I think, uh, what's his name? Kel from, from TCU is going to be the difference. I think this is going to be kind of one of those three point games where maybe TCU wins on a, uh, on a last second field goal or they score a field goal, kick it back and, and they're able to, to make a stop or Iowa state misses an extra point or two or a field goal or two, or has a bad punt, that kind of thing. I think those are going to be the, you know, the whole quote unquote thing that Campbell says all the time, win, win in the margins, He's going to lose in the margins in this game. So I've got I've got TCU winning it. That's two losses in a row for for Iowa State that I've got. Two losses in a row for Iowa State that you've got. So I've got them sitting what four and two, and you've got them at three and three now. Yeah. Um, and so finally, we head to the seventh game of the year, their last game uh, before they have their bye week, and really, they're this is the beginning of one, two, three, four games out of their last six that they play on the road. This is the gauntlet part of their schedule. Um, They face off on the road at Nippert Stadium. They head to one of the newbies, and they face off against the Cincinnati Bearcats on October 14th. Matt, does Cincinnati hold their ground, or does Iowa State hold their ground? And we've already previewed this game, so we actually know what our answers are already. Yeah. Uh, Iowa State. Agreed. Yep, we talked about this one when when we did our Cincinnati preview. Both Matt and I have Iowa State winning this game. If you want to hear our details on that one, go listen to the previous episode and listen to the Cincinnati part. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me for coughing. All right. So Iowa State, they've played seven games. I've got them now at one, two, three, four, five, and two. You've got them at four and three. They finally get that coveted off week. They can rest. They can heal up some injuries. And And like I said, this is kind of where the gauntlet begins. They've only got two home games left. All right, they've got three road games, two home games, and it's it's uh, flip flop. So it's road home, road home, road. So they don't. This is going to get tough for them. And the first of those road games is a is a team that recently has not been friendly to them. Uh, they have not had much luck in the stadium that they're heading to next. They've kind of been annoyed with playing this team, and recently they've been playing this team early in the season. Um, and that's none other, than, none other than our own Baylor Bears. Baylor seems to have had Iowa State's number a lot in the last few years. Um, and this one's in McLean. Luckily for Iowa State, they won't probably won't need to bring their tents to stay out of the heat. This is the end of October. It should be a pretty pretty decent weather day, maybe some rain this time of year in Waco. Matt, does, does Baylor lose this game? Well, Baylor's coming off of a road game in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Iowa State's coming off a bye. So they're going to be well rested. But at the end of the day, I think Baylor's 
got enough to beat Iowa State at home. 100%. Baylor wins. That's all you need to know. Sorry, Cyclone Larry. Okay. So we got Baylor winning that game. Yeah. Now, let's let's go into another one. Uh, our, everybody's kind of Big 12 darling the last couple of years. This game, another former Big 8 matchup, and homecoming in Ames at home. Saturday, November 4th, the Cyclones welcome in the Kansas Jayhawks to Jack Trice. Matt, what do you think about Kansas? Does Kansas win this game or does Iowa State win this game? I think... So this game was close last year. It was like 14 to 11. Yeah, it was really low scoring. Low scoring, um, which is weird because Kansas... Wasn't Jalen Daniels hurt in that game? It it was one of the ones he was hurt. Um, But also, like their offense... Or Kansas State's defense Kansas wasn't State. good. Kansas, I'm sorry. Kansas defense wasn't good. Uh, as as bad as Iowa State offense was, I would think they could score more than 11, which is very was concerning at the time. Um, so I think I'm going to say that Iowa State avenges that loss and, and gets the win at home. That wasn't like a bad weather game last year, was it? I don't remember. It was an ugly game. I remember it was just like pretty poor play on both sides. But um but yeah, I think it was just it was they're in the midst of like their worst play. You know, they're coming off a of Baylor loss the week before. So you have Iowa State winning. I have Iowa State winning this year, yes. All right. I'm gonna agree with you. I got Iowa State winning. And congrats to Iowa State. With that victory, I officially have you bowl eligible at six and three. There you go. Matt, you do not yet. You've got them now at uh, five and four, one game five away. Four. One game away. Now, for for Matt to be right, we got to head down and get into the nitty gritty of two out of three on the road, and this is not an easy three games. First road game, next game up, head to Lavelle Edwards Stadium in Provo, Utah, one of the toughest places to play in the Big 12 and the new Big 12, and face off against the BYU Cougars. Matt, who wins this one? Honestly, I don't remember what I said with BYU. Me neither. I don't remember at all. But I think BYU wins at home. That's a tough place to play. Fans show out. It gets loud. You have the whole like elevation thing going on. Um, So I think... At this point of the year, BYU comes out victorious. I want to say I remember saying Iowa State was going to win this game, and I'm changing my mind. I think I think BYU wins, and it's it's mainly because of the environment and because of the uh, and because of the elevation. And I think again, I, I just think I think BYU Stadium is going to be rocking for every game. I don't think BYU is going to be a great team this year. I actually, in my rankings, I do have Iowa State ranked higher than BYU. I do. Um, but and I think if you if these two teams played on a uh, a neutral site, I think Iowa State Iowa State would probably win ninety nine times out of a hundred. I think I think that Provo is just that much of a home field advantage, um, and I'm I'm taking BYU for that reason. All right, all right. Uh, final two games, and and this is the last time I would guess in history that this team will ever play in Ames. 
Um, one of the, we've already talked about one team that's leaving, so you know who it is. A team that Iowa State hates just as much as we do to a degree. They really hate Texas, um, and that's who it is. The Texas Longhorns head to Jack Trice Stadium. Matt, does Texas win or does Iowa State win? Uh, Texas wins. I think that's pretty. I'm pretty confident in saying that. Yeah, I agree. I hate Texas with everything that I've got, but I think they're the most talented team in the Big 12 this year. I don't, I don't, I don't know for sure if they're going to put it all together, but when it comes to just the raw talent that's standing there on that sideline, that's going to be walking out there on the field, there's a different level of athlete that'll be playing for Texas rather than that's playing for Iowa State. It's just it's what the case is. Matt Campbell, what makes him a great coach in my mind is that he knows that and he takes guys that other guys haven't considered as great athletes and he turns them into that. Right. I think it's awesome. Um, he finds diamonds in the rough that maybe when they're coming out of high school, they're not highly ranked, but Matt Campbell can see the future in them and and brings them on. And then they they kind of the ugly duckling turns into the swan. You know, like I don't think Brock Purdy, who, you know, was making a march to the Super Bowl last year, or Brees Hall, who was one of the best running back prospects in, in a long time that came out in the NFL draft a couple of years ago. Uh, those guys, I don't think the Bamas of the world were coming after them or the Texases of the world weren't coming after them. And Matt Campbell found them, turned them into great players and turned them into millionaires is really what he's done. Um, but at the end of the day, this point in the season, I think Texas is really, really going to have something to play for. And it could be a trap game. This is one of those classic, it's November 18th. It's going to be cold. Texas is traveling up there. You know, historically, this is a game that like when Iowa State was like dookie bad um, back, you know, 10 years ago when they were like just ridiculously like Kansas level bad that this is the game that Iowa State would win. They'd, they'd have some huge upset against a top five team at home. And of course, Jack Trice would be rocking. But again, I think Texas has something to play for at this point in the season. I think that uh, they, they have the horses and I, I think Sark's going to start to put it put it together a little bit this year. And I'm taking Texas to win. All right, Matt, we are 11 games in, heading into the last game of the year. I've got Iowa State sitting at six and what, five. You've got Iowa State sitting at uh, five and six. They need to win this last game in your books to be bowl eligible. Um, they're already bowl eligible for me. But they will close out on the road. It's going to be a cold one. That shouldn't affect them, though. At a very tough place to play against the um, reigning Big 12 champion Kansas State Wildcats at Bill Snyder Family Stadium in Manhattan, Kansas. Matt, does Iowa State in your book go grab a win here and become ball eligible? Or do they lose and have another disappointing season where they've only improved by one game? So, I think they get a win. You got them winning. Wow. Think, All right. I think they finish strong. I have them as like in Manhattan. Wow. In my mind, they're like I've talked about this before. My methodology is in my mind, they're like six and six, right? So, you had to find that six. I have, game. To, I have to find them. Yeah, I could be completely wrong. I think they're a six and six team. I'm just kind of trying to fill in the the slots. I get you. I have they them in very my head well that they're could, around a six and six team as they well. They very well could beat BYU and lose to Kansas State and end up six and six. Right. Or they could beat Iowa. Yeah. Any, any of those things. Too. But in my mind, I see them as 
and improved from last year, but still kind of like, you know, a six and six team. I agree with you. I have them at six and six. So I, I have them losing this game. Um, it's it's at Kansas State. I think Kansas State's going to be competing to to go to Arlington again this year. Um, I don't know if they'll make it or if they'll win it, but I, I think Kansas State is positioned to 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 at least attempt to yeah. get there. Yeah, intellectually, um, I I, I want to say Kansas State wins this game easily, but we all know how seasons go when you're coming off of a championship. Things can go awry, and yes. so seasons play out how they play out so you really don't know how it's going to end up on november 25th but in this exercise i'm going to go with uh iowa state upsetting Ken- kansas state and getting their sixth win gotcha all right i had them losing and sitting at six and six so we have the same record just a just a couple of games that we've got a little bit different there really the only games that we have different are you have them losing to iowa i have them winning and you have them beating kansas state and i have them winning everything else we're yeah. actually in perfect agreement on so there you go, yeah. Iowa State fans. You're going to be headed to like the Cheez It Bowl or something, or like maybe uh, go to the what's the Armed Forces Bowl? What Baylor? Go yeah, to? there you go. The Armed Forces in Dallas. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not negative 15 degrees like it was for me. But yeah, I can't believe you went to that shit. All right. Then, then I went to a TCU bar after that, so it was all it was great fun. Oh, I, that's the, <laughs> the that's that's Joe Goodman's personal hell right there. No, I went to this place. They have they had great chicken wings. I have to admit, and I was, everyone should go. It's it's on campus. It's a great place. No, you should never go. Never ever go to Amon G Carter Stadium. It's a terrible place. Um. All right. So that's our sports talk. That's 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 enough sports. Let's talk. Let's talk pop culture, Matt. All right. What we got going on? You seen anything lately? So. I started a Secret Invasion on Disney Plus. I have not started it yet. That is the um, newest Marvel series. It's like a limited. Like I think it? it's like six episodes. It's. I like it. It's a little bit the pacing. It's a different animal because it's kind of like a spy thriller type of show. And so it is a little it starts off a little slow moving. There's a lot of like talking people in rooms talking and a lot less action. But for me, that's what I like. Like that's what I liked about the early Game of Thrones was like whenever you hear people in rooms giving like monologues and you're just like riveted by the dialogue and the writing. And that's kind of where I'm at. That's kind of what this show is. It's like someone's giving a monologue and you're like, This is just good writing. I so plan on I'm starting liking it. Starting I it like this it. It's a week-to-week show, right? It's not all out. It's a week-to-week show. They released – well, there's two episodes out, but they're releasing them like a week at a time for sure. Gotcha. Okay. So I'll pick that one up. I have not – I won't lie. Like since we talked last, I haven't really done much media stuff. Like I have – I I went to Atlanta. I went to a concert. I went and saw Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, one of my, if not my favorite band, um, out there in, in LaGrange, Georgia, a small town outside of uh, – outside of uh, Atlanta great concert that's what I went to also went to a Atlanta FC game went and watched some MLS action um, watched them face off against New York FC not to be confused with the New York Red Bulls um, epic draw in that game Atlanta came uh, drew the game a 2-2 draw 
And like the last, you know, 10 seconds of the game, it was pretty epic. Um, and yeah, besides that, I just kind of hung out, smoked some meats and, um, and hung out with my buddies, drink some beers, drink some wine and, um, drink some whiskey. And so, yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to. And then, like I said, my wife's been out of town. So my nights right now are taken up by, by baby care. And then I'm sick. So by the time I put him down and he's asleep, I'm ready to go to bed myself. So I am, I haven't had much time to watch, like, really watch anything. Um, you well, know, like we mentioned started... in our last, our last, our last pod, I've, I have seen, um, uh, Spider-Verse two times in theaters, but. Did, did you, speaking of, did you see the like latest news? Like there's different versions of the film in theaters. Can you, can you repeat that? I was coughing. So. They confirmed that in theaters, there's different cuts of the movie. Huh. So, so essentially, the film, the one you saw, there may be a tweak and a small tweak in the second viewing. What's or, the tweak? Do you know what the tweaks are? Because I'm not going to lie. There was, I don't specifically remember what, but there was a point when I saw it the second time where something happened and I said, I don't remember that. Maybe I was, maybe I wasn't paying attention. So, there's the one I do. I remember that I know about is like, uh, when Miguel first shows up and Spider-Man 2099, he first shows up, he's talking to the little like AI that helps him or whatever. Yep. And he says, call back up. And she goes, already did. And one version, she takes like a selfie and then, Another version, she does kind of like a fist bump motion, but she says the same dialogue. Her actions are just different. Gotcha. So basically, it's like you could be watching an anomaly of the film about the anomalies in the Spider-Verse. Oh, interesting. That's that's a really cool thing that they did there. And also, it it's great marketing because now it prompts people who – only saw it one time to be like, well, I wonder if I should go back and see it and see anything different to see it again. I mean, I think everybody should go multiple times. It's just I, a, it's like just a you, hella good movie. I saw it twice like you did. So, uh, but I can't, re- I remember the, I think I saw the same version because I remember the selfie both times. So I don't remember which one I got. But I also started watching The Bear on Hulu. Have you did you ever watch that? It, it came out last no, year. No, I saw that there's a lot of people that I like on Twitter that really liked it, but I never yeah. got into it. Well, I heard like when it came out last year, people were saying, like, well, this is the best show on TV right now. And I never got around to watching it. And then now season two's come out and people are saying, like, this is like hands down the best show on television. And so I so I watched the first episode and it's really good. It get I mean, if you don't know, it's about it's about a cook, right? Well, he's like he's a chef who is like fine cuisine chef in like the best restaurant in New York, and comes back home after some family situations to work in his family like sandwich shop in Chicago, and he's trying to change kind of like the culture within the restaurant. Gotcha. And it has. Um, well, I heard it. I've, I've seen an article so, that kind of just d- d- uh, or compared it to Ted Lasso a bit. Well, it's 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 way different, but yeah, I can see like where you're trying to. It's a kind of fish out of water type of thing, and you're you're kind of ch- trying to change people's minds about what this can be, 
because you're coming from a different world. He's coming from like fine dining, you know, Michelin star, you know, restaurants to a, a sandwich shop in the south side of Chicago. So, Honestly, the south side of Chicago sandwich shop sounds like it tastes better. And I think it's less about, it's more about like, you know how you've seen them like shows or movies, like how a kitchen runs. I mean, it's with those like, you know. Well, I mean, I spent years working in, re- all through college, I worked in restaurants. I mean, so like, yeah. there's a way a kitchen runs when it's like French cuisine or one of those. Yeah, like, you've got, you've got different, you've got, it's basically like a, uh, a military almost. You've got ranks. Yes. <laughs> and so he's trying to do the same thing. So he wants to hire like a sous chef and he has a pastry chef and he, he wants people to be like, you have a defined role. And this is what you do. And like he's the like head chef or master chef, whatever the executive chef, I guess, is the the title of this kitchen. And he's trying to get and it's kind of like hard to get people to get go along with the changes he's trying to implement. And it just gives me anxiety, but (laughs) because I've never worked in a kitchen, so it just makes me anxious all the time. My first like real job. I mean, technically, my first real job was like a summer camp at a church that I got, I got paid a pretty decent amount of money to do. But I don't consider that like a real job. My first real job was I was a busboy and a fry cook at like a burger place. And so I worked a lot in kitchens. And then after that, I was a waiter for a long time and then uh, at a couple of different restaurants. And then I was, um, you know, a bartender and kind of like manager at uh, Shorty's in Waco for for the first couple of years that it was open. So, I mean, Shorty's being a pizza place, it's it's much more laid back than like a crazy kitchen. You know, you're just cooking one or two things. You got a couple of fryers and two pizza ovens back there. So it's not like it's super crazy, uh, but it can get it can get super busy in Shorty's, but definitely different than a fine dining restaurant. Uh, I've never worked at a fine dining restaurant, but I have worked in um, places that have like bigger menus. And I've been back in the kitchen when it's, you know, you're in the heart of rush You've got stuff getting 86 left and right. You don't know what, you don't know what's going in, what's going out. You don't know who your runner is. You don't know who's doing their side work. You know, like there's, there's some, some crazy stuff that'll go on. Really people that work at like cooks in uh, any kitchen, whether any restaurant, they're a different breed of people. It is so hot. And it's so hot. Not only that, they're probably all under the influence of something. Oh yeah. Oh dude. A hundred percent. And so it's like, it's like they're they're a different breed. They talk to each other differently, and it's it's wild. I spent six years working in restaurants. I want to say, and uh, one thing that I constantly tell people is like, I've always everybody's like, don't complain. They're going to spit in your food. It doesn't happen. This stuff, it just doesn't happen. You get fired so quick. Um, I have only seen in in the six years that I worked in restaurants, I only saw food get tampered with once, and the. The cook tampered with it, and then the waiter saw him do it, threw the food away, and got different food and brought it out to the client. So, yeah, because you're working that the waiters are working on tips. <laughs> yeah, and also like those are health violations, and you can like yeah. actually like be charged with stuff. Craziest thing I ever saw. R- quick segue: working in a restaurant. Uh, if you ever get a job as a bartender, if you're a younger person or an older person who just wants to be a bartender and you're working, card everyone all the time. Uh. I don't know if the rule has changed, but when I was, when I, I, con- I had to get my TABC certification. So Texas, Texas Alcoholic Beverage Commission, you had to be certified to serve alcohol to people. So if you're a bartender or a waiter, you've got to, there's different kind of certifications that you have to go online, sit there for four hours, watch some videos and take a quick quiz. And then they certify you um, to be able to, to serve alcohol to folks. 
Um, when I was doing it, the rule was, and I, I, I have no reason to think it's not the same rule now, but the rule was you just had to see an ID that had a date on it that said the person was 21 because it's not my job as a waiter or a bartender to determine if this is a fake ID. I'm not an ID no. expert. So there would be plenty of times, especially when I was working in Waco, um, being a college town, that I I would get handed something that was so clearly a fake ID, but it said the person was 21 and it had their picture on it. Like, I don't care. Like, sure. And if a cop comes in and does a bust on me now, like, look, he gave me an ID. I'm not an ID expert. What else am I supposed to do? I will say this, though. Card everyone, because I have watched a bartender get arrested in the middle of uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. <laughs> when I, I was working at a Buffalo Wild Wings, and uh, two people came in and sat at the bar. Uh, one was an older dude. He had like gray hair. Like he was old. And he came in with a younger girl. The girl still, she honestly, she looked like she was in her 30s. Like she looked pretty old. She was apparently 20. Uh, we didn't know this, but it was an actual TABC sting. And they came in. Um, the guy ordered uh, ordered a beer got up and went to the bathroom. And when he got up and went to the bathroom, the girl that was sitting with him was like, oh, by the way, I'll have one too. So the bartender's not really thinking anything about it. He's like, okay. And he pours her a beer and hands it to her. She gets up and says, I'm going to go to the bathroom real quick. She got up, walked out of the restaurant. And then before we knew it, um, two officers from the TABC just walked in, grabbed him from the behind the bar and, and booked him. And he got, he got his TABC license taken away. And he, he didn't get like, he didn't have to go to jail or anything, but he got like his license taken away and he got fined. He got a ticket for it. So card everybody. If you ever work in a bar, I've seen it happen. I've seen a bust. Yeah. I had a buddy worked at the bar at Applebee's in Waco. And we would I go used to, the, I used to drink there underage. We'd go there regularly. And I was, I was 21, but I would, I wouldn't be charged for drinks. I would just tip really big. Cause yeah, I, I had so some hundred percent of he's like getting hundred percent of the, my tips. So like I wasn't of what I, or what of what I paid because like I wasn't get charged for drinks or like I maybe get charged for one and then it's just like refills all night. That's kind of like the bartender code that I learned when I first started being a bartender. It was like other bartenders will come into your bar and they don't expect to pay, but they'll tip you like a hundred dollars and then yeah. they pay it forward. So you go to their bar and they they won't charge you for the drinks, but they expect you to pay them like a hundred dollars. Like yeah. Yeah, so I did that regularly. They had like at Apple, which have you been to Applebee's? Like the bars, like in the middle of the restaurant in Waco, or it used to be. Then I don't know what it looks like now. I don't know uh, how official it was, but I got banned. I think I, I think it was Slick Willie's, the pool hall in Waco. I think it's Slick Willie's. Um, I got banned from there because is that the one on New Road. Yes, that one. Okay. Um. So, uh, a guy that the re the restaurant that I was working at in Waco at the time. Um, he knew a bartender there and he said, if we go there, they won't cart us. We were both 20, I think. And I was like, okay, great. So we go there and my friend that brought me ends up flirting. Shooters. With, um, is it shooters? That's what it was. Um, I just remember it was like the, it was the pool. It was the pool bar. Okay. And he ends up flirting with like one of the assistant managers there. And she ends up coming to like, we ended up going to like a house party or something that night. She goes and so she's like, oh, I'm getting off. I'll come with you guys. And so like we go to this we go to this house party and he he has one too many and, and starts getting a little bit too comfortable with her and says, oh, by the way, you know, my secret is, is that neither neither Joe or I are actually 21. And she was like, excuse me, because she's like, first off, I'm like 30. I'm a manager at this place. <laughs> and, and so you've 
you have started off this this I won't say relationship, but this acquaintanceship uh, on a lie. And I could lose my job if they found out that because she was like serving us drinks after she saw her bartender service drinks. And she's like, now I could lose my job and I'm going to go fire the bartender. And both of you are banned from ever coming back to my restaurant. <laughs> God, what a narc. Yeah, I know. Now, I seriously doubt if I ever went back in there. Like they they're not, they didn't have a picture of me up that says banned forever or whatever. But um, I can still hold solace in the fact that I have been banned from somewhere before. I don't think I've been banned from anywhere. <laughs> officially all right matt we are at about an hour and a half and uh i think we're we're pretty we got ahsoka coming up we'll talk about that a bunch i'll go start watching secret wars so that we can we can talk about that on the next episode um but i'm i'm most yeah. excited about ahsoka coming up are you, but are you gonna see indiana jones this weekend or coming up? no i i don't i don't, I don't think i, I think i'll see it when it comes out i think so too like when it comes on it's like hbo max or something or when it's on like disney plus i'm pretty sure it's gonna be what, disney plus Whatever, whatever streaming service. Because I'm pretty sure it's like a Lucas product. Unless it comes out and the reviews are like, holy crap, you got to go see this. I, I probably won't. I don't know. The reviews I've seen is like, it's, it's fun. It's fine. So then I'm like, I'm not rushing to theater to see like, it's just a right, good I'm time. not going to go search for a babysitter sitter to go see fine. Yeah. It's like, if they say like, it's amazing, I'd be like, okay. okay. But Fair. that's kind of how it was with like the Flash. Like I read people I trust. Like Royden and Dex and those guys, they said like it's mediocre, it's decent, it's fine. Then I was like, I'll just wait till it's on HBO Max. It'll be HBO Max like in a month. Yeah. So all right. So yeah. So next Matt, where up, can the people find you? Before that, I want to say next up oh. we're gonna we're gonna hit uh Kansas and Oh, we got gonna, Kansas next. I need to We're make gonna double up. We're gonna double up because of time constraints. Till the beginning of the season, we're going to double up on the Kansas schools. So Kansas right, and Kansas State. We got double Kansas action next week. And by next week in a few days, because we'll probably record on Sunday. Yes. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'll be in San Antonio Sunday, but perhaps. Okay. Mayhaps. But Matt, where can the people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Workman. And you find the podcast at the Bear Den Pod. How about and you, Joe? As always, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Joe underscore Goodman. Though I haven't really been active at all on there lately. I've had some people DM me being like, "Are you okay?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I just haven't been on Twitter." Um, but yeah. So, uh, as Matt said, you can also check us out on thebeardenpod.com. So, as always, Matt. Until next time. Thicker bears. Thicker bears. Network.